It's Monday, August 30th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, Jason Moser. Good to see you. Good to see you. How's everything going? Things are going okay. And, uh, you know, just I'll just start with a quick uh, shout out to everyone in the path of Hurricane Ida. And yeah. the, the early word at this point out of New Orleans is, you know, when you consider the it, it made landfall at a faster speed than Hurricane Katrina. Uh, for those of us who remember Hurricane Katrina, that you know that was that was sort of terrifying to to read that over the weekend, and uh, cautiously optimistic that uh, everybody's going to get through this okay. Um, yeah. With that, we've got some sports betting news, but we're going to start with the stock of the day, and that is Affirm Holdings, the buy in buy now pay later business. Affirm is teaming up with uh, a young e-commerce site called Amazon.com. Uh, Affirm's going to be a checkout option for certain Amazon customers in the United States starting on Friday. This is for purchases of $50 or more, and then uh, those customers can, if they want, split those purchases up into smaller monthly installments. Shares of Affirm, as of this moment, are up 44% today. Yes. I guess my first question is, is that how good this news is? 44% or is at least some of what we're seeing? I, I don't know. I'm sure there are a bunch of things that go into a stock spike like this. But ultimately, that's where I start with this. Like, How good is this for a firm? Well, I mean, it, it is really, it, it, it's very important news. I mean, this isn't something that results in immediate tangible uh, financial impact, right? I mean, there there is still a, okay, show me that this actually is going to work. Show me the money, so to speak. Um, but for a business in a firm which generated around, uh, what, $750 million essentially in revenue over the last 12 months, um, it, it's it's a big deal, and part of the part of the concern with a firm. I mean, there've been a couple of things with a firm that have, have you know have been worth worth uh, discussing a little bit, right? I mean, we saw the recent acquisition with with uh, Square buying Afterpay to get that presence into the buy now pay later, and and that's what a firm is known for too, right? Buy now pay later, um, and you know the, the criticism has has been that it more or less is a feature. And not necessarily a business on its own. Uh, now that remains to be seen. I mean, it, it clearly buy now pay later is gaining a lot of traction, and, and it's not to say that companies like a firm can't branch out and do other things. Um, but but I think that for for a firm, I mean, one of one of the bigger criticisms we've had uh, recently is just its reliance on one big customer, right? In Peloton, um, if you look at the numbers for the nine months ended March thirty first, twenty twenty. Uh, approximately 25% of a firm's revenue was driven by Peloton. Um, a year later, that number had crept up to 31%, right? And so you couple that with the news that Peloton is starting to cut prices, it's witnessing some slowing growth, they're having some litigation issues. Uh, you definitely you're hoping to see a firm sort of spread that risk out, take the take the eggs out of uh, that one basket, so to speak, and that's what this deal, that's what this news ultimately accomplishes. So I certainly understand the enthusiasm. It doesn't mean these guys are out of the woods and they've got it all figured out, but this was absolutely a headline uh, that that they needed. In the short 
public life of Affirm Holdings. This is a stock that has been down in the mid-40s. It's been as high as the mid-140s. And with this move today, it's around $100 a share. It's, it's kind of where it was when it IPO'd earlier this year. Do you think part of what we're seeing here is, at least for some investors, a, a bet slash hope that this first partnership with Amazon is a prelude to Amazon acquiring a firm somewhere down the line. Um, and, and, if, and if people are thinking that, how valid? Like, how much <laughs> should they put in that? How, well, how much should they hope for that? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know that I would hope for it. I mean, I think Amazon typically isn't. You know, it, it's certainly a firm needs this way more than Amazon does, right? I mean, it's not the other way around. Um, and I mean, the one thing that stood out to me when this news came out, I thought, you know what? I mean, I, I we use Amazon a pretty good bit in our household, and I, I just, I'd always, I knew that I had always seen some type of installment plan or a way to break up payments when when you'd purchase something on Amazon. I just I couldn't remember specifically what it was because I've never used it. But ultimately what uh you know what Amazon has done up to this point, they offer, you know, you can break out the purchase over six months uh via your Amazon Prime Rewards visa. Right. And so there Amazon was offering something similar but it was through their financial product in their in their card. So I think that for for customers ultimately this is great in that it offers up one more option. Now, it remains to be seen how utilized this option actually really is because it's worth noting. I mean, this isn't just a firm breaking these purchases out and you just get them interest free. I mean, it depends on what you're buying and who you are. Some of these some of these purchases will reflect interest. Um, and and so you have to sort of weigh that with folks who you know, have an Amazon Prime Rewards Visa. Maybe they just want to continue to use that and get the get the points. Maybe, uh, you know, the the younger generations coming up in, into the world here have have a, a more skeptical view of credit cards and don't want to uh, consistently rely on just having to open credit cards, which is very understandable as well. I I, I don't know that Amazon looks at this and says. Wow, a firm is just a company that we need, uh, and this is going to be sort of the first step in really understanding how we can work better together. Um, to me, it, it feels like there would just be better opportunities for Amazon to try to invest uh, their capital because, I mean, a firm, given where it is today, I mean, yeah, it made you know a little bit more than seven hundred fifty million dollars in the last twelve months. This is an eighteen plus billion dollar company. I mean, the market has bid this thing. Through the roof, based on you know the potential in this buy now pay later space. Um, so I, I don't I don't necessarily look at a firm as as a you know an attractive acquisition target so to speak. Now granted, Afterpay was acquired for around twenty nine billion dollars. Um, a couple things there though. Square that was an all stock deal, so cheaper currency. Um, and I think there was also a timing issue there, right? I think Square felt a little bit under the gun to get something going, and they just they didn't have the time to focus on building it, so they decided to buy it. Um, Amazon is not really in any kind of a position where they need an affirm as a part of their business. Uh, so I think ultimately the two the two parties that really win here are, of course, affirm. Well, three parties really: affirm, affirm shareholders, and consumers, because it's a, it just represents one more choice, which is good. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that Disney is looking to license the ESPN brand to major sports betting companies. Reportedly, Disney is seeking $3 billion over a several-year period. They are talking with Caesars Entertainment and DraftKings. 
I'm not saying there would be no risk to a deal like this, but if Disney's able to get a few billion out of the ESPN brand for something like this, this seems, if not a no-brainer, it seems like a good move. I, I think it, it's definitely a good move for them to at least test the waters and see what they could get from it. I think this is the easiest way for them to participate in this space without necessarily being beholden to all of the red tape that comes with it, um, the licensing, the payouts, uh, just the sort of that that affiliation, right? I mean, we have to remember that ESPN, of course, owned by Disney. Disney has a, a certain uh, brand awareness, right? There's a certain affiliation there, and, and you don't want to start seeing them having to shore up a sort of a sin stock type identification, even if it's just for one little part of their business. Um, and so I think this gives them the opportunity to participate in what is becoming a, a uh, an attractive opportunity in, in sports betting. Uh, but, but, you know, they don't, they don't have to necessarily get into the middle of it, which, which makes a big difference. Now I, I wonder to me, it's tough to say whether a legacy brand like ESPN necessarily carries the same sway here. I mean, maybe it does, but when you look at you look at the modern day sports entertainment uh, landscape, the brands, the partnerships. I mean, you have companies out there like Barstool, for example, which was acquired by Penn. They have Barstool Sportsbook. You have Outkick, which was, I think, recently purchased by Fox. They have Outkick Sports Betting powered by FanDuel. Uh, you've got other little concepts out there. My bookie was starting to gain a lot of traction there. I, I, I don't know necessarily how important it is for any of these sports books to actually carry that ESPN brand. That's the question I kind of I'm not quite certain of. It probably doesn't hurt. But again, I feel like this is something where ESPN more than likely isn't going to be necessarily dictating terms, um, much like the Affirm thing, I feel like ESPN probably needs this more than the other way around. Um, but but I absolutely understand why they're pursuing it. It makes perfect sense. Um, but, but to your earlier point, I mean, this is in the context of a business in Walt Disney that did $63 billion in revenue over the last 12 months. So, a $3 billion licensing deal spread out over several years. Sure, that's great. Kind of a drop in the bucket for the business, but it also does give uh, ESPN and therefore Disney an opportunity to participate in this in this market and and see where it goes. It will be interesting to see if this comes to fruition. The extent to which content, ESPN content, is part of the deal. Because if you're Caesars, if you're DraftKings, you know the. Like anybody, they are looking for engagement. They are looking for ways to keep people on their platform or, in some cases, physically in their sports book. If exclusive ESPN sports betting oriented content is part of the deal, uh, then I think it does make uh, it more compelling for whether it's Caesars, DraftKings, or someone else. I, I think you're right. I think it also, I think it's important that the, the the folks involved with this, I think the folks involved with ESPN, I mean, it needs to be, it needs to be believable. I mean, these need to be, in other words, the content associated with this, it needs to be coming from people with skin in the game, right? People who know what they're doing, 
people who are making these bets familiar with the betting landscape and how things work? I mean, you, you want people very familiar with this line of work uh, to, to be out there delivering that content. Otherwise, it just it comes across, I think, as probably uh, maybe a little bit disingenuous, right? I mean, I, I don't know if if it comes across quite as as believable as if you get it from from something like a barstool or an outkick for example because they have built these these parts of their business solely around this and and, and these 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 folks these guys there that, that companies like these they just they they eat breathe and, and live this stuff and so I, I think that would be the one thing is they would need to make sure that they get the talent uh the individuals in place who really who really embrace this, right? Who really embrace it and know what they're doing. Otherwise, it, it, it comes across as probably a little bit half-hearted uh, and, and, and maybe doesn't work out. Today is Warren Buffett's birthday. Happy 91st birthday to Mr. <sighs> Buffett, who there's no chance whatsoever he's actually listening. Yeah. Um, and among other things, I think this, this gives hope uh, for people who don't have the best eating habits in the world, because if you know anything <laughs> about Warren Buffett and uh, his uh, daily morning visit to McDonald's for breakfast, his love of Dairy Queen, of Cherry Coke, um, again, it just it you know it provides a little bit of hope for for those of us who you know aren't necessarily digging into that kale salad every night. Um, you, you've prepared a list. You have a little. You have a little birthday list for Mr. Buffett. Well, sure. I mean, listen. It's. It, it, I've been following uh, Mr. Buffett for as long as I've been following the Fool, which has been been decade plus. Um, and he's just he's had a profound impact on me as an investor. There are a million and one quotes out there from this guy, and they're all good. Some of them a little bit more folksy than others. But I have. Yeah, I picked I, five quotes that I think. Are just worth remembering. They make you smile. They will make you think. Um, but but let's hit it here. So so first quote uh, is is risk comes from not knowing what you are doing. Um, and, and just put it into simpler terms. This doesn't even have to be specific to investing. I mean, ultimately you, you got to know what you're doing, right? And I feel like these days we see you know the day uh, in the days of stonks and memes and. And Reddit and and just uh, my Wall Street bets. I mean, it does feel like there's a lot of speculation, a lot of folks out there that maybe don't necessarily know what they're doing. It's not to say that can't work out for them. Maybe it does, but they're taking on uh, a little bit more risk than probably needed to if they just uh, take a little time and get themselves educated. Uh, So that's one. Next one here. Number two, there seems to be some perverse human characteristic that likes to make easy things difficult. And I feel like, you know, my mom has been telling me this for for probably all of my life. She's been telling me I just make things way harder than they have to be. And maybe <laughs> that's where I feel like I got this idea. Something I, I always say. I mean, and maybe that's where this this came from. I don't know, but it just to me, investing is as easy or as difficult as you want to make it. And and so I think that's why this this quote resonated with me. That a lot of things in life, you just you just don't have to make it so so difficult. But. Uh, Nevertheless, some people just just really take joy, I guess, in making things as tough as they as tough as they can. Uh, next quote number three: Unless you can watch your stock holding decline by fifty percent without becoming panic stricken, you should not be in the stock market. And I could not agree with this more, Chris. I have had more than one holding uh, get cut in half or worse. 
Um, but they are businesses that I liked. They are businesses I believed in. And I saw those businesses and I saw their stock prices come roaring back over time simply because the business performed. You have to accept the fact that you're going to see that happen. Uh, that's why we advise uh, diversification. Uh, that's why we advise knowing what you are doing. Back to that first quote. Uh, but you have to you have to understand that you're going to see that uh, in in the short run. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to last. Um, I've also been in that position, and I will just add that it certainly helps if you're able to extend your time horizon. Yes. Your stock drops 50% and you're like, I was, I was thinking about, I, I was going to sell this in the next year or so. It's like, uh, it's, you know, if you, if you can make that five, 10, 20 years, uh, you sleep better at night. Easily, easily. Absolutely. And this next quote, buy into a company because you want to own it, not because you want the stock to go up. I mean, this is exactly in line with the way we invest here at The Fool, business-focused investing. And it's exactly how I taught my daughters from the very beginning. We're not you know, buying these lottery tickets, so to speak, like Peter Lynch would say, we're buying into businesses. Find these businesses that you like, a business and a company that you want to be an owner of. The stock is just the instrument that gives you that ownership. And, uh, and so I think it's important to view that perspective there. We're, we're focusing on buying into the business. The stock is just the instrument that gives us the ownership. Uh, and then finally, you know, this one, it's a little little humor i think but uh but but i think the underlying point is a very important one you can't you can't produce a baby in one month by getting nine women pregnant chris <laughs> uh you know this i know this i think a lot of folks know know this um yet for for so many investors out there they just don't have the patience they want to get rich quick that's not how it works you got to take the longer view see the forest for the trees uh, understand that good things do take time, uh, and and, uh, and and you will you will certainly be a better investor for it. Happy birthday, Mr. Buffett, Jason yes, Moser. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. On the Motley Fool, may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.